Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From Decrypt.co, this is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, I'm going to go over today's news give you the crypto prices, and I get interviewed by Yap Global's Dylan Tucker, coming up on the Decrypt Daily. Hey everyone, today is Friday, October 9th, 2020, and I'm not going to take up any time because you're going to hear me speak a lot in the interview a little bit later. Let's just get into those crypto prices. Oh, and it's green. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 2.45 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is at $11,060, up 1.5% from yesterday, crossing that 11,000 mark. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Ethereum, 36364, up 3.7% from yesterday. Litecoin, 4779, up 1.2% from yesterday. Chainlink, 1025, up 8.7% from yesterday. By the way, Chainlink has climbed over 18% in the past two days. And XRP at 25.1 cents, up 0.2% from yesterday. Total market cap for all the cryptocurrencies is $351 billion, with a BTC dominance of 58.3%. And in our first news today, Apple has told Telegram to take down channels used by protesters in Belarus. The channels are being used to identify the members of Belarus's authoritarian regime. Telegram wants to keep the channels open, but Apple fears they can promote violence. This is a definite piggyback from what we were talking about yesterday in privacy and how the internet could be used in the future. And if you listened to yesterday's episode with India McKinney, I invite her back on the show to talk about privacy. Keep an eye out for that. It's going to be a long-form podcast where we dive deep into our freedoms, our rights, in respect to the internet. Previously unknown vulnerabilities have been discovered in older versions of the Lightning Network's daemon, a full node implementation of Bitcoin's second layer solution, Lightning Network, according to an announcement published today by Connor Frumpneck, head of cryptographic engineering at Lightning Labs. Per the post, the vulnerability affects the LND versions 0.10 and below. To safeguard themselves from those exploits, users should upgrade their software to LND 0.11.0 or higher as soon as possible, the announcement stressed. So if you're listening to this and you're running a full note of the Lightning Network, make sure you understand and you know what version you're on. And if you're on the wrong version, the version 0.10x and below, please upgrade and run 0.11 and above. The central bank and the Bank for International Settlements outline requirements for the CBDCs or central bank digital currencies. And here they are. Convertibility. The CBDC should be interchangeable with cash at parity. Convenient. CBDC payments should be as simple to use as other payment methods, such as cash or mobile payments. Instant. Transactions should be settled instantly or close to it. Scalable. The system should be able to expand to cope with larger volumes. And high throughput. CBDCs should be capable of processing large number of transactions simultaneously. 
These outlines seem to be all self-explanatory, but it is good that they outline this, especially if they're going to be implementing blockchain systems that might not be as scalable or have enough throughput to handle transactions. This basically says, we told you so, step up your game. And in my most notable news of the day, Attorney General William Barr announced the release of a report entitled Cryptocurrency Enforcement Framework. This report examines the perceived dangers of cryptocurrencies, mainly that they can be used by criminals. But it adds that the assets are vitally important to the U.S. and its allies. A quote from the document says, Today, few technologies are more potentially transformative and disruptive and more potentially susceptible to abuse than cryptocurrency. It goes on to read, Indeed, despite its relatively brief existence, cryptocurrency technology plays a role in many of the most significant criminal and national security threats that the United States faces. And that's all gloom and doom, but the report also lays down how it could benefit the United States as well if it's used wisely. So, just like any other government body all around the world, don't get freaked out by this. They need a framework of how technology is going to be used so it's not abused. This could be a very good thing for cryptocurrency, maybe a bad thing for these big pump and dumps or these huge crypto gains that we're seeing from DeFi projects or ICOs or anything else that might come out in the future. But if we want a stable system that we can trust to make sure that our KYC, our AML, our crypto is not stolen or, you know, we're scammed out of money or investments, we're going to need people to get in and go, hey, let's regulate this. We understand this is important, but let's make sure that it can be used properly. I'm all for regulations, so let's just hope Attorney General William Barr also understands the benefits and focuses on those and not the criminal activity people are using it for. Because, as we said before, trillions of dollars are floating around the global financial system right now for those same said activities. And as you know, that Fridays is our long-form podcast. So today I'm going to be interviewed by Yap Global's Dylan Tucker. A couple weeks back, he reached out to me and said he wanted to interview me for a write-up he was doing for the blog, uh, their blog. The link is down in the description, by the way. And we recorded it. I got a hold of the audio and I said, this is pretty interesting. The audio sucked, though. I didn't think I was going to go on the air with it. Uh, the actual original copy is around an hour and 20 minutes. We did it in about 40 minutes. We re-recorded it. And I just thought it was a good way for you to get to know me a little bit. If you're spending so much time with me Monday through Friday, getting to know crypto, getting to know me a little bit, maybe you should know my origin stories, what I think about a certain things, and well, maybe what I think about the future and where I'm going with this podcast. So here is Dylan Tucker of Yap Global interviewing me, and I'm not going to come back after this because it's already going to be long enough. Have a great weekend, happy hodling, and I will see you on Monday. Uh, good morning, Matt. So thank you again for agreeing to go on the record with Yap Global. Um, I'm Dylan Tucker from Yap Global. We are an international PR firm with a focus on helping meaningful fintech blockchain and cryptocurrency companies tell their story on the global stage. Uh, on the Record is a series that we've started where we speak to the journalists, podcasters, and leading figures in the digital asset, asset, fintech, blockchain, and cryptocurrency industry. So are you ready to go on the record, Matt? Hey, yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Excellent. You're welcome. So firstly, uh, can you share a little bit about your background? So how did you get into podcasting and more specifically, what led you to cryptocurrency and blockchain? Yeah, man. So I got into cryptocurrency around 2016. Uh, my bartender at the time, I was a general manager of a nightclub in Shanghai. And my bartender was buying Bitcoin in China uh, via WeChat, sending money over to Guangzhou. And then they, and, and with his uh, public key, 
and then they'll send him back Bitcoin. It was super sketchy, but that's how uh, we started messing around with Bitcoin. I, I was like, what are you doing, man? And he's like, hey, you got to put some money into this. I know it's going to moon. And I'm like, I don't know about that, dude. But then after I got out of China, I went to Taiwan for my MBA. And I started a podcast because I was dabbling in, in cryptocurrency about um, cryptocurrency, getting people and onboarding people into cryptocurrency. It was called Crypto 101. And I made it because there was no... 101 or educational platform out there at the time that onboarded people and gave them the 101 information like you know things like what is hodl mean you know what does moon mean what are lambos why are people talking using all this slang and talking this way or you know just you know how to navigate in investment space like maker and taker fees and you know how to use exchanges how to set up you know just kind of get, build the confidence of the average person trying to dabble in trading or crypto or uh just trying to learn this ecosystem. And so that's what I did is I made a podcast solely around educating people. And that, that's how I got into podcasting. And that's how I got into um, cryptocurrency. Um, so you spent quite a bit of time in China. How long were you in China for? I was there for, well, it depends what you call China, but I was in Beijing for uh, six years, Shanghai seven, Taiwan two, and then uh, Hong Kong, Singapore for about a half a year. Okay. Wow. So you've spent quite a bit of time in, in lots of places. That's cool. Um, which, which one was your favorite? Uh, it depends on what time of my life is that. <laughs> they're, yeah. all, they're all very interesting towns, man. Um, I, I, I love them all. Uh, it, it just all depends. Like when I was in Beijing, it was, when I was in Beijing, it was 2004. And so um, Hu Jintao, he was the uh, chairman of the Communist Party or the mm -hmm. president of China, whatever you want to call it. And it, it was just a different China at the time. Uh, so there was a lot more, you know, uh, culture trying to be developed. You know, there's Beijing was a gr like a grimy city with a lot of cool things happening. Um, Xi Jinping and the development of China with their economic rise and all kinds of different things kind of started changing the, I guess, the environment of China. Like it started taking the uh, the development of personality out of China, in my opinion, and which created which created a you know a kind of interesting kind of uh, evolution of what China is it become. But then at that time, I was living in Shanghai, and Shanghai is its own thing, you know. So it's outside of like whatever is happening everywhere else. I mean, there's a couple of cities that are kind of like that. Uh, Shanghai is one of them, and Shanghai was just brilliant for for that time when I was there from 2000, I think 10 until. 16 17 yeah well I've, I've been to shanghai a few times and I, I agree with you that it's it's its own beast um and it has been for quite some time i think what led you to the decrypt daily so that obviously started you know earlier this year um you were doing crypto 101 and then and then how did decrypt daily come about well i was doing crypto 101 um and then it, crypto 101 was acquired in 2018 after it was acquired i took uh, some time off from the crypto space and just kind of got my bearings moved back to my hometown, Cleveland, Ohio. And when I was over here, uh, Decrypt reached out to me and said, hey, would you like to start writing for Decrypt? Uh, I, I have noticed that you were in the crypto space. And I was like, it's not really my thing. I'm more of a podcaster. Um, and we worked on a we, we negotiated of what uh, the podcast should sound like. What a lot of people don't know is that we put out probably three weeks or four weeks of test episodes or pilot episodes before what we got. We got the format of the, the Decrypt Daily. We just went back and forth to figure out what we what it sounded like. Uh, he had the editor in chief uh, or I don't know what his actual title is, but the, let's say the, the big boss or one of the big, bigger bosses. He wanted to turn me into a journalist, you know, so there's some things, you know, journalists can say, mm -hmm. cannot say and the way that they present themselves within uh, the this medium and so we had to go through that so i really owe him a debt of gratitude because you know i wasn't that person you know it was easy to do it by myself under my own company but then when you start working under a company like decrypt it turns into a different ball game so i i was really 
happy to get that new skill set and I hope that I'll keep growing with it. So they reached out to me. Uh, we developed the, the podcast after some discussions and now we have what we have and it's always going to be evolving and I can't wait to see where it is in one year, one year time from now. And so the Decrypt Daily podcast covers, you know, news and current affairs in, in the crypto and blockchain space, but I'd love to know, you know, where do you get your stories? Where do you go to find the latest, you know, scoop? in the industry? Well, that's not for me. That is for the the writers and the editors. Uh, so every morning I hop on with the editors and have a 930 meeting and I discuss uh, what happened because most of the editors and most of the writers are in the UK. So they're a little bit of ahead of us here in the States. Um, and we just, you know, discuss what are the biggest stories in the platform? What are people reading? What are people talking about? And so based off of that, I build my show for the day. And I see, okay, this one really seems like a good lead story. Let's see if we can find people to come on and talk about it. If they're the writers, if they're the editors, if they're, you know, the primary sources, we, I, I reach out during the day to try to see if I can find somebody because my show releases at 5 p.m., at 4 or 5 p.m. And then I just try to build the show during the day. So I, I'm never, you know, the, the breaking news person unless somebody reaches out to me and I have like a super awesome uh, lead or connection um it's usually those guys that do all the hard work and i just put the show together okay cool so it comes um a lot from the the uk editorial team and then i know there's um the editorial team in the us so do you work closely with those those guys as well i i work closer with the uk because of the time difference uh like i said they're they're a little bit ahead of us uh the uh, the us is scrambling to make new news so for me to build a show because you know building a making a podcast as you know uh, mm -hmm. recording, editing, putting the music in the transitions, you know, of course, I need to do my research and find the guests. It doesn't make sense, even though we are a little bit behind on the podcast, it doesn't make sense to try to work with the US team that is also trying to find new news. Uh, it would just be counter counterproductive. And so curating content and doing the interviews yourself, you know, for a daily show must keep you busy. So where, where do you look? Um, I mean, what do you look for in a pitch for the Decrypt Daily? Is there anything you know, that you, you see in pitches that you go, yep, that's a good one. Or, you know, things that you, you hate seeing um, in a pitch that someone sends you from a company or from a PR person. I have one really big rule. It's I don't care about the company. I care about news, you know, for the most part. Uh, if, you're, if you're a company, and I don't care what the company is, if it's Ripple or if it's a bigger company, um, you know, that are in the space with bigger names, Charlie Lee or whoever, Vitalik, that's great. You know, of course, I'll have them on the show, obviously. But if Vitalik says, hey, I want to come on the Crypt Daily, I'll have them on the Friday episode, which is my longer form discussion podcast or discussion episode. I still have news in there, but it's more of a discussion-based uh, episode. But during the, during the week, I just want to find out what these companies are doing. So if it's a small company or a big company, what I want to do is bring it to the average person or people who are trying to pay attention to or navigate the space to get that news out there uh, so they know what's happening and generally what's happening within these companies. So I guess long story short is if a company has news, then it'll be on the Decrypt Daily. If they just want to pitch their project and tell me some BS about, you know, hey, this is what we're gonna, going to do, you know, further there with some vaporware and some, you know, big hopes, dreams and white papers, they, they could stay off my show. Cool, that's good advice. So it's got to be, it's got to be news. It's got to be timely. It's got, it's got to be news. It's got to be timely. So when people reach out to me and say, hey, I'm gonna, I want to come on the, the Decrypt Daily, I always ask, what's the news? And then they say, hey, this is under embargo until, let's say, you know, the 10th of October. Let's record sometime before then and then release it on the 10th. That's what I'm looking for. So I guess, you know, speaking of the news of 2020, you know, we're, we're seeing a huge uptake in the DeFi space this year. So I guess I wanted to know, in your opinion, where, where do you see this space headed, you know, in this year and into 
2021. I think this base is kind of like the Mark Twain quote. It's like, history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. And what I see with DeFi Mm -hmm. is that DeFi is basically following the playbook of 2017. You know, you had ICOs. The ICOs went in there and they made a lot of money and they made a lot of noise. A lot of new people came in the space to invest in you know, uh, gold with QR codes on the blockchain, you know, <laughs> like where, where yeah. that, what happened to that? Or, you know, the many voting on the blockchain platforms or, you know, uh, medical records on the blockchain, everything on the blockchain. So all these companies came out uh, with these white papers, invested and, you know, people, and then they go away or they're, you know, they found out that it was a little harder to do than they thought. And I kind of feel that this is what's happening. DeFi is like, DeFi is a new way to, a new way that, Everybody's getting excited because of the money potential here. But is it really doing anything with the space? I think that still needs time to flush out. We still need to have DeFi mature. We need still need to have people understand how what it is and what it's doing and how to use it. Uh, so just like ICOs or just like, uh, you know, the transition to it from ICOs to STOs to IEOs to whatever new hype way to get money into the system, none of it's fleshed out. None of it's mature enough to actually do anything for the average person. So uh, I see the DeFi as just one of those stepping stones of let's try to figure out what blockchain can be used for and what's going to catch on for the masses. And and do you see it sort of, you know, do you think it is going to catch on to the masses? Like, I know that might be a bit of a loaded question and, you know, you might only be able to speculate, but I'm interested to know, I guess, from your perspective, having spoken to so many different people in the industry and having, you know, sort of your ear to the ground, so to speak, with a lot of the companies, you know, where if you think it's going somewhere or if you think it will be like the 2017 craze that it will sort of peter out, I guess, in the next 12 months or so. Well, I think it's 100% going to peter out in the next 12 months or so. Um, I'm going to take that back. Let's call it 99%. I don't want to be 100% in anything. Um, But does it have potential to be toward the masses? Yes, of course. I mean, we have companies that are, you know, uh, learning how to incorporate crypto products or exchanges to be, you know, looked as like a bank, you know, people are going to be having, you know, debit cards with crypto or being paid out with with uh, rewards in crypto, be able to swap their crypto for for goods or services pretty easily, uh, use it as a, you know, investment part of their investment portfolio. I mean, this is part of the, the mainstream adoption. But I don't think that, you know, the average person, the mom and pop, you know, people that are, you know, in traffic right now, it's 830 in the morning in Cleveland, Ohio, that isn't sitting in traffic right now is going to even care about it until that it's your private keys are stored in your iPhone, you're able to unlock it with your face ID or your your, your fingerprint and use your crypto as like it's anything like your Apple Pay or Google Pay or your Chase or your JP Morgan or what have you. If people aren't, if it's not integrated with everyday life, then it's not going to work. And honestly, nobody knows how the internet works. Nobody knows how their emails work, you know? But so it's like, who cares how it works? It's just, does it work? And it's people using blockchain and if people are using Bitcoin or people are using some kind of uh, cryptocurrency for certain kind of transactions or commodities or, or whatever, it, whatever they're using it for. People don't care if how it works, just as long as if it works. And it's not working right now for the average person because shit is just too complex. You're right. I think I think there's definitely a long way to go. Um, it's an exciting space, but I think we're a little bit off having these things inbuilt into our iPhones. Hopefully not too far off, but um, there's still a little bit a little way to go i think well look htc htc is putting you know wallets in their in their phones already you know there's companies already thinking about it it's just are they going to implement it and here's the thing it's it's cryptocurrency it's crypto it's these different aspects you know it's like on the blockchain is great if it's just a base system if it's a platform like you know like an ethereum but people don't want to care about their tech they just want the tech to work um so 
I, I, I just see it being being that people will still write checks at grocery stores, right? <laughs> Even though mm-hmm. I can pay with my Apple Watch, I have yet to see many people pay with their Apple Watch in a grocery store. I mean, this is in Ohio. I mean, California is totally different. But in Ohio, I have yet to see anybody in front of me pay with their Apple Watch. I pay with my Apple Watch. They still offer the service. It still is taking time. Uh, so it's like crypto is going to be the same thing. It's going to be decades out until you see everybody using some kind of blockchain-based uh, payment solution or investment solution or transaction solution. It's just it's just a ways away. But this is the groundwork. Twitter is a key resource um, for podcasters, particularly in in this industry. Um, and I've noticed that you've shared Twitter polls in the past. So I, I wanted to know whether you use Twitter or other social media platforms, you know, to form your stories for the Decrypt Daily. That's an interesting question. Uh, I don't use my Twitter for anything for the most part, nor, nor Facebook or anything. Um, my Twitter polls are because I'm just curious about certain things and see who wants to answer and like, hey, do you think Trump or Biden, you know, um, just for pure curiosity. I don't get enough engagement on my Twitter polls to warrant any kind of significant results to make me go, oh, this is what people are thinking, nor is the demographics that follow me any kind of uh, di- diverse um, demographics to even show significant results. I-, I look at Twitter and social media for for news, see what people are saying and see if it's newsworthy. Um, and of course, I tag people. But I first personally feel that social media is a one-way conversation. It's a good way to advertise. It's a good way to put your things out there. It's a good way to uh, think or connect with people who are following you in one way or the other, but it's not a good way for conversation. It's it lacks nuance, it lacks you know depth, it lacks everything that you need in a proper conversation to get proper uh, opinions across and ha- and and actually learn about something. It's just a one way conversation. I mean, look at YouTube. YouTube people put out videos to have that one way conversation. We're going to tell you about this, not have the conversation, but we're going to tell you about this. So in Twitter and Facebook is that is the same thing, but in text form. So I don't use it for anything more than just, you know, putting something out there. And I don't think that it should be used for that. And that's why I have a podcast to have that nuance, to have that conversation. Yeah, I guess it's, you know, I agree that it is, you know, a sort of one way conversation in a way. And, um, you know, people do look to things like podcasts um, to find, you know, that that deeper conversation um, and to communicate with different people from different perspectives, which I think, you know, the Decrypt Daily does does really well. Um, so I guess on that, you know, you've you've interviewed many of the heavyweights in the industry. You know, you've mentioned Vitalik. Do you have any advice for founders, you know, CEOs, spokespeople in the space um, in preparation for doing a live interview um, for a podcast or another interview like the Decrypt Daily? 100%. Get a fucking microphone. That's the <laughs> that is the, the the first and only rule or I uh, suggestion I have to, for everybody. How many people come on my show that isn't prepared to have a good sound? The good sound, the way that you present yourself, the way that you speak, the thoughts that you have, the way that you are, are the cadence that you are speaking represents your brand. And it's it's so interesting that you have these CEOs, you know, in, in air quotes, they come on, they just raised, you know, millions of dollars from their ICO and they didn't buy a hundred dollar fucking mic. And they come out in an echoey room with uh, stutters and us and have no clue what the hell they're talking about, about their own project, yet still want to be on a podcast to promote. Get a microphone, know what you're talking about, get a good place for good sound, and then come on. That's good advice. I think um, it's it's simple, 
but it's you know it can be it can make or break an interview really the sound quality i think people just have to understand that there's different ways to look at your brand and yes you can have a great logo yes you can have great marketing but if you come on a podcast what is your brand there it's what your the person who's on that podcast says how they say it and if it's clear enough and with a good enough audio quality for people to uh, really you know absorb it and so if you're not having those three aspects then you're hurting your brand. I mean, it's just the same thing as YouTube. Uh, if you were going to do a Zoom call or YouTube call, I mean, put on a nice shirt. You have a, Again, have a good micro microphone, but now you have to think of these different aspects. You have to think about your background. I mean, if you're going to have your kids running around the background and dirty diapers over the place, I know you're work everybody's working from home right now, but yeah, you're going to find, hopefully you're going to find a nice corner of your house that looks pretty good, you know, a plant, maybe some, you know, pictures of your family in the back, and then you're going to have that interview. I mean, so it's your, you really have to think about what audio marketing sounds looks like actually sounds like um and this is the same way thing as everything else of your of your business so I, I would recommend everybody to really consider that when you go on to podcasts and have interviews it's the hair and makeup of a podcast <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> yeah 100 i love it and i guess you know um on on podcasts what what advice would you give to someone interested in becoming a podcast host or starting their own podcast oh dude just just do it just effing do it. Podcasting is a door opener. And I'm so surprised why. Let me start that over. Podcasting is such low barrier to entry that everybody should have a podcast that is doing anything entrepreneurial. And even if they're not, even if they just want to talk to people. And, and why do I say that? If you're just a person in your house uh, that just you know goes to a 95, but wants to expand, have more and deeper conversations about different things. Have a podcast. Have your buddies from down the street come over, uh, sit around, have a couple beers or glasses of wine, and talk politics, talk sports, talk whatever you guys are interested in. Those are the deeper conversations that you're going to have. It's a great medium and put it out there. Who cares if anybody listens? If you're a business person or an entrepreneur trying to start up, it doesn't matter if you're a fashion brand or uh, you know personal care or whatever you're going to do. You have a medium now to reach out to different people in your industry, get them on uh, your platform and have that conversation and make that, you know, break down those, that barrier of introduction. I mean, it's really hard to send an email and say, hey, person that's already established in my industry, come and talk to me about my business. Nobody's going to do that. Hey, person in my industry that's already established, come and talk to me about what you do. And let's break down the, that barrier of, of introduction. Now you have a friend. Right. And you did that because you have a podcast. And so any business should have a podcast in, in every aspect. Why? Because it breaks down barriers to reach out to different people in your industry, have good conversations. And it's a great self-promotion. Also, again, if you're the mom and pop or the person in your house that has a little extra time, talk to your neighbors. Starts great conversations. Make one for your uh, city. Make one for uh, something that you believe in that it should be the board of education for your small town. Those are great ways to have conversations in your community and that you wouldn't have before. Yes, start a podcast, start it now. Just think about what you're going to do and don't care about how many people are listening. Do it for yourself. I, I really like that idea of, you know, um, connecting people both, you know, in their neighborhoods, but also, you know, professionally and podcast being a way that people can connect with, you know, their competition or people that might not, you know, have been in the same room of them had they not, you know, offered, offered to have them on their podcast. Yeah, man, I, th I think it's just, it's overlooked the, everybody wants to be the next big Joe Rogan podcast. I mean, let's be, let's be honest, you're not going to be. <laughs> I mean, you could be, but even the odds are astronomical that you probably won't be. But within the 
not having a podcast to Joe Rogan status, there's so much in between that could be so beneficial for so many people. Even 100 people listening, if you're in a town of 1,000, could be 10% of your town could be super influential, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, if you have like a little sm small town in somewhere in the Midwest that loves football, you start a high school football pod podcast, you bring on the high school uh, football players to come and talk on your podcast and you talk to their parents and you talk about, you know, college, you know, maybe uh, goals for them and playing pro and that could be an amazing new uh, um, niche podcast that will engage your whole town. And so what if you only have a 100 people listening to your podcast? That's 100 people in a town of maybe 2,000 that is going to change the way that you inter in interact with your town, your community, uh, with, with for these kids. It could give them something uh, going into the future. I mean, the, the sky's the limit with the podcast. So what I'm saying is start a podcast. Everybody should have a podcast or a YouTube channel. You don't have to be Joe Rogan, but you can be very, very, very successful in your own niche, in your own space. Cool. That's great advice. I'll, I'll certainly be coming to you when I start my podcast. Oh, you'll be my first listener. <laughs> 100%, man. I'll subscribe to anybody and I'll listen to every podcast, man. I love podcasts. Yeah. Well, that, that actually leads well into my next question. So this one might be a little bit tough for you, I think. Um, but I wanted to ask, what are your favorite podcasts right now? I know that you you listen to quite a few. So um, what, what are your favorite ones at the moment? Yeah, that is a tough one. I'm going to have to pull up my, my, my Spotify and see, see what's on here. <laughs> Um, let's see here. Uh, I, I have a pretty, um, I guess, broad podcast list. Let's see here. What's on my list right now? I'm listening to a new podcast called, uh, who we are, which is a chron chronicle of racism in America. Um, that's actually by Ben and Jerry's. And so that's my new podcast that I'm listening to. Um, I love anything out of the NPR and New York times. So the daily with Michael Barbaro is always on my list. Um, up first, and NPR politics podcasts, uh, those those both I, I listen to every day. I mean, there's weekly podcasts that I listen to, Mission Log, which is you know a, a podcast on Star Trek. I love Star Trek. I'm a big Trekkie, so I listen to Mission Log. Um, let's see here, Partially Examine Life, which is a podcast on um, philosophy. So they t break down different philosophers and different you know essays they write, um, and and really deep dive into uh, different ph philosophical ideas. Um, and then, you know, I just kind of like dabble around in different ones as well and see what they're, uh, see what the, what's on there. Like the skeptic guys to the universe is one of my other favorite in their weekly podcast. And they break down scientific articles throughout the week that come out and really delve into them to see if they're, you know, they hold up in a scientific method manner. Uh, so I, I really try to find uh, stuff that, you know, I, I can learn from stuff that engages me with different ways of my society, different, you know, things that are happening, you know, stay up to date. I listen to, you know, like I said, uh, you know, probably around six to seven podcasts a day. Uh, and then I probably go through anywhere from four to six audiobooks a month. So I'm, I always have something in my ears. So you must go through quite a few pairs of headphones. <laughs> Apple, Apple AirPods, my friend, the Apple AirPods pros. That's all I need right now. And then I have yep. my Bose QC35s. Uh, and so those two have been holding up pretty well. So those are your, your go-to headphones then, the Bose and the, the AirPods? The, my AirPods are my, my, my daily drivers, but my um, QC35s are my recording headphones, which they actually color the sound a little bit. I don't really like them that much for, for recording, but I still use them because they're over ear. Mm -hmm. I've, I've had them for what, since they came out. I have the first model, probably the first month they came out, and they're the best noise, noise canceling headphones I've ever owned. I mean, the AirPods, 
they're more usable, user-friendly because they're small. You can put them in one ear. You can just walk around. You can hear things. I mean, it has a lot more features, but the QC35s are just brilliant. When you want to cancel out the world. <laughs> Most times. <Yeah. laughs> so my next question is also, also quite broad. Um, but I know you've interviewed hundreds, maybe thousands of people in your career, you know, through Crypto 101, um, ICO 101, you know, and now Decrypt Daily. Um, do you have a favorite interview or perhaps a favorite interviewee? Yeah, man. Um, I have to reach back, you know, maybe about three years for this one. There's this guy. I don't even know where he went. He just fell off the face of the earth. But for a couple months there, he was my go-to for, you know, a deep philosophical conversation. There's there's people I have on there that were interesting that I was very excited for. Like, you know, I had CZ on. I had John McAfee on. I had, you know, Fluffy Pony on. I had, you know, there's, so we've had a lot of people on and, and so like, those guys kind of like made me a little, you know, I guess a little nervous, a little anxious, you know, coming into those interviews because of who they were. Uh, you know, you get used to it, though. There's a person that I've always, you know, I always like talking to. And he he's actually, you know, a good friend of mine. He became a good friend of mine because of interviews, um, a guy named Doug Pike. Uh, and he's a PhD student candidate over at Rutgers University. He's going to be doing his postdoc over in Princeton. Um, also the founder of Viracoin and Virium. And, you know, we've become really close uh, to and, and talked to quite a bit. But my all-time favorite series of interviews was with a guy named uh, Hazim Al-Nakib. Uh, he was working for a Humanique. They banked the unbank. I don't even know if they're still around. I don't know if, what happened with them. But he and I had some amazing conversations. Every time he got on, the, on there, he was brilliant. They were never the most listened to, but they were like, this is my cup of tea. Because we were talking about things like human rights and the blockchain. For example... In the EU, uh, back, I think it was 2016 or 17, the EU passed a law um, that made access to internet a human right, which made us start thinking about, hey, if you need, if you have the right to access to the internet, do you also have rights to the, everything that the internet provides? And that could be transacting with Bitcoin or transacting in general or banking or this, that, or the other thing. So it's like, do you have the right to uh, communication, you know, just, you know, memes and, and, and Twitter and whatever, like whatever that holds is as a freedom of speech or communications or religion or whatever. So like, what is the right to access to the internet mean? Anyway, we started to just going to deep diving through that. And I thought it was a great conversation and we always did things like that. So has an Al Nakib of uh, Humanique, if you ever listening to this, bro, come out of the woodworks and give me a call. Great. So, so you'd love to have him on the decrypt daily, I'm sure. I would like to see what he's been doing. I mean, yeah. I don't know. For all, for all I know, Humanica exited. I have no clue where they are, man. <laughs> um, and and how did you how did you um, connect with with Hazem? Was it um, through Humanique? Did he come on for an interview um, through that work, or or how did that connection get made? I think it was originally for Humanique, uh, and then it was just you know he popped on as himself, you know, just to have those conversations and didn't represent the company. How did we actually make the uh, the connection? It was probably through a PR company. Um, mm -hmm. Not too sure. PR companies are honestly the backbone of any podcast or. Is, is you get in touch with people who represent other people and they just say, hey, go on this podcast. And, you know, you couldn't I couldn't reach out to all the people that I've reached out to without the support of PR companies uh, that, you know, did a Waxman. Yap, of course, um, that, you know, help, you know, make those connections. That's great. That's lovely to hear because um, we do love connecting you to to our clients and, you know, um, helping you share share their stories, you know, in a meaningful way. Um, that that helps drive 
the industry forward. Well, I think Samantha Yap is a, an extraordinary individual and I really appreciate uh, reaching out to her and working with her for those clients. So um, you guys do a good project and I appreciate mm -hmm. all the support that all the PR companies do give me. Excellent. And, and I do agree with you. I know she's my she's my boss, so it, it, it might seem like I have to say this, but I, I've also learned a lot from her and, you know, we, we all love what we do at Yap Global. It's great to, to be working with, you know, podcasts like the Decrypt Daily, you know, every week and telling amazing stories. Excellent. Well, I think that's all my questions for today, but thank you so much for going on the record with us, Matt. And um, we look forward to, you know, continuing our relationship and working with you again. And who knows, you know, in a couple of months, we might get you back on for another one and see see what's been happening. Right on, man. I would, I would enjoy to come back on and talk to you guys. And if everybody's listening and wanted to know more about Yap, actually, I did a, a podcast with Samantha Yap uh, back, I think, a couple months ago. I'll link that in the show notes of this podcast if you're listening to this on the Decrypt Daily. Uh, and for that interview, because it was it was good to understand a little bit about behind PR and how that works. And I go a little hard on her, but she holds her own. So listen to that interview.